on the apartment building. Can you upgrade this to a third lawn? This is the working part. Be advised, we have a woman trapped on the balcony on the fourth floor alpha bubble corner. We were unable to make our rescue. We're making a rescue now on the alpha side. Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes with Dr. Chuck. How are you doing, Dr. Chuck? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you been? Very good. We were going to talk about uh, firefighter burnout. It seems to be a big thing in the news these days. It's something that's really quiet in the fire service that some people don't like to talk about it. But do you believe it's a real thing? Oh, absolutely. I think we have to define burnout because I think they use the term stress interchangeably with that at some point. But if people get to the point where they just don't have any more will to go to work and they're just not interested in it and it's a, you know, uh, scary for them to think about the kind of things they have to do. Is burnout a significant issue in the fire service? You know, I don't know that I've ever seen a study on that. I, I can't tell you what what the statistics are in terms of what why people go offline or, or decide to retire early or leave the fire service. Some of the major factors in burnout that I'm aware of are diet, exercise, those things are very important, but sleep seems to be a really big one. If you define burnout as um, a stress-related issue, it, it's a state of mind. Burnout is really a state of mind. You don't have burnout in terms of, of uh, throwing ladders. Of, of responding to the tones, that becomes the, the, the issue that they don't want to do anymore. But they do it because their state of mind has gotten to the point where it's, it's, it's not fun anymore. It's not interesting. It's not exciting anymore. So they, they get an attitude that says, I don't want to do this. And we call that burnout. There's stress, there's physical stress. If you if run up a 40 flights of stairs carrying your, your uh, equipment, you can, you can burn out physically, but um, the, the main burnout issue, I think, is psychological. And can that be caused from organizational stress too, being in a fire hall or a house that there's some toxic individuals that break you down every day and you just don't look forward to seeing them, but you kind of love the job? It's right. And, and then if you go back to the, like you were saying a minute ago, the physical issues, the diet, sleep, hygiene, issues like that, those contribute to that overall attitude of not having the interest and the energy to do this job anymore. How do we fix that? Well, I think you really have to track it. I think people have to do, you know, an attitude check often and, and keep track of it and, and be, be sensitive to the fact that, you know, when you start to, to get a bad attitude, uh, or develop a, a negative attitude toward going to work, you need to uh, talk about it and get some help. And, and it's an easy thing to do if you just track your feelings. For example, you know, as you're driving to work, the closer you get to the fire station, you get that sort of gut feeling, oh, geez, I don't want to go there. And you just have a negative emotion experience as you're driving up. And as you walk in, you walk into the day room, or you don't walk into uh, the, the, the bay with the apparatus and you, you just don't feel like being there. 
as a psychologist, do you have any suggestions for someone who feels like they're suffering from burnout? They're driving to work and you know what? Maybe they don't like the crew or their captain or someone they're working with, or maybe they don't like the area that they're working in and they just don't want to do it every day, but they have to for the next year. Are there any tools or resources that you could tell someone, say it was a patient of yours, what would you tell them? But they got to go there. They got to do it for the next year. What are they going to do every day? First thing that I would bring up would be the issue of empowerment. You talked about you have to. There's no choice. You must go. And that's the part that's just not true. There's always a choice. And the choice is, you know, request a transfer or, or uh, resign. If you can stick with it or resign, you have a choice. There's no such thing as no choice is what I'm, I guess I'm getting at. So I would focus on empowerment of how do you now cope with dealing with an unpleasant crew or an unpleasant uh, officer? How do you learn how to deal with it? And, and usually that's because there's, a, there's an issue where they need some conflict management. And I would, uh, I would address their attitude about that. What are the rules in your head about this officer's behavior or this crew's actions and behaviors that are, that are uh, triggering, not creating, but triggering your negative emotional experience. Well, we know that you have between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of them are negative. So if you could change the way, maybe you start your day, maybe the way you react or, or relate to that person you don't like, or you know what, change your attitude when you're at the fire home. Be the same person when you're at home with your family, but you completely change your entire attitude as soon as you step foot in that firehouse. And that can be done. I think that's a good point. Brendan Carroll and Pete Carroll for the Seattle Seahawks, they put up a sign, I'm in, as the players go on to the field. And they, when, they, when Pete Carroll came to the Seattle Seahawks, he brought in all these old veterans. And within a couple of years, he's winning a Super Bowl. He changed the way they think on the field. As soon as they go on the field, it doesn't matter if there's only two minutes left and they're down by two touchdowns. They believe they can still win. So right. maybe as firefighters, we can change the way we think as soon as we step into that fire hall, whatever that may be. I don't know everybody's different. It, it, it reminds me of Shakespeare's quote in Hamlet. Things are neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. The attitude is what it's all about. And the, the beauty is you have control of your attitude. That's what uh, I would focus on because that the attitude is what controls your emotions and your behavior, how you act, the kind of mood that you're in and the way you treat other people and you, the way you allow them to treat you. That's all controlled by your mind. It's never controlled by them. I've worked with some amazing firefighters that became officers. Some of them became chiefs and uh, they left the career really bitter and unhappy. And I, I think they kind of lost control of what their purpose was. Like when we get hired as firefighters, we're so excited when we get that, you know, that offer letter and, you know, we go through recruit training and then 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we forget about that first day. I mean, maybe we have to revisit why we became firefighters to get through those periods of burnout and, and depression and, you know, those challenges. And, you know, that's an interesting issue that could become part of this station culture. The officer could set up um, a cultural sort of norm uh, for uh, constant working on attitude adjustment, helping people deal with their attitudes. It, it's, 
there's there's two things I think that, that control most of that. Our culture is very dysfunctional. We have a tendency to use what we what I call the blame game. How often have you heard the phrase "You make me mad, you make me happy"? The concept that someone else can make you mad is what is the problem. So they have. Uh, you know, this idea that other people can act in certain ways and then it forces you to be angry. And that's just not true. It's just a myth to believe that other people have any control whatsoever over your feelings and your emotions or your behavior. Well, one of the things that I think happens when you become a young firefighter, especially if you work in a busy area, you get tired physically you stop eating, you might start consuming alcohol or doing recreational drugs, and you're, you stop talking. A lot of firefighters haven't been exposed to clinical counseling. Anybody knows that has, that has heard me speak, I believe that clinical counseling is a way to find out things about yourself that you need to know that you might not know if you didn't sit with, with a health professional that could get inside your head. Triggers, you know, exercise, you know what? That right. shift pattern is a killer. And I mean that literally. Four on, four off, or 24-hour shifts, or two tens and two 14s, it's really hard on a human being that works at a busy fire hall. It is. It is. And again, going, going back to the attitude, um, you, it, it creeps up and it builds up. You get tired. You get physically uh, stressed, and then it starts to affect your attitude. So you, you develop this notion as you're driving to work, Gosh, I can't stand these guys. I can't stand this this officer. This captain is is a, is horrible. I can't stand him. That idea that you can't stand him is what's the problem. The word I can't stand is the issue. You change your that one imperative from I can't stand this officer to you know I don't like him and I don't like how he acts, but I can handle it. It's not the end of the world. Now I get to learn how to cope and deal with this officer. And that's where, that's where getting some professional help might help. You know, just getting a chance to talk to somebody and, and uh, get past the, the stigma that there's something wrong with you if you're dealing with conflict management or dealing with anger or dealing with other kinds of feelings. Um, and again, that goes back to, to what you were saying about the stressors, you know, why do people drink? Why, why do you escape into alcohol? Well, they do it to get rid of the emotions, the feelings that they're having to numb out and not feel bad. I would suggest there's better ways. I'll just use myself as an example. I was taught, you know, in the first month of being a firefighter, that was how you dealt with bad calls. Go home, have a stiff drink. If it doesn't right. work, have another one. And to be honest, I believed it worked until I was at the worst part of my career and I'm drinking half a 26er and then it's not working anymore. Drinking alcohol after a bad call does not give you amnesia about the call. And all you have to do is remember it or have a memory of it and it's, it's all right back. What about holding in your emotions? So the reason I'm asking this question, I know a firefighter, he's been on 17 years, reached out to me a while ago, hasn't cried in over 20 years. Anytime he feels like he's going to, he stops it, blocks it, does whatever. And he used the word burning out to me. He said, I'm, I'm burnt out. And then when we had a discussion about how he is feeling and 
I asked if he'd been crying for no reason at all, or if he felt it was for no reason at all. And he said, I haven't cried in 20 years. So I think burnout can be a term used for all sorts of factors. As I heard you say that, what, what concerned me was, does he think that there's something wrong with him because he hasn't cried for 20 years? I, I'm really concerned about a new stigma being created where a person, you, you, let's say you've got two firefighters, they go to a bad call, one comes back and is just emotionally a wreck, and the other one isn't bothered by it and, and really doesn't bother it. Well, my concern is that because of all of this new movement to get everybody in touch with their feelings and talking about their feelings, that there's going to be another problem come because that firefighter is going to think, oh, there's something wrong with me because I didn't get upset by that call. You know, I didn't have a bad reaction. What's wrong with me? So I think we got to walk a thin line here in terms of, of what, what is real and normal for a person and, and, and what does the burnout mean? What we know about burnout in the fire service is it's a term that is used for so many things. It really doesn't necessarily mean that the firefighter isn't able to come to work and perform, but what it means is they're struggling. And the best way to deal with issues like burnout is to meet with a health professional, a clinical counselor. The important factors when it comes to burnout are sleep is number one, I believe. Diet, exercise, and be and talk therapy. And I'll, I'll leave you with this, Dr. Chuck. I'm speaking in the Midwest, in the South, and on the East Coast of the U.S. And I spoke to a department about three weeks ago, and they told me something I'd never heard of before. We were talking about drinking and firefighters consuming alcohol and PTSI and PTSD, he used the wording PTSD, has gone through the roof because we're not allowed to drink anymore. That's what he said. So in his department, they created something called the station beer. Have you heard of this? No. So what they did is they built a cooler. It's a special cooler and they put really nice sodas in there. And they originally started with dealkalized beer, but that got shut down just from the smell but they put really nice sodas in there. And then when they had an issue, um, they're in a hotter part of the US, they would go out back and say, hey, time for a station beer. And they'd go out there and they'd all crack one of these nice bottles of whatever, and they would sit and talk for half an hour. And they feel it's super therapeutic. And I have yeah. never heard of that before. That's super cool. See, that's a great idea. You know, that's just a way to focus on the fact that they're, they're opening the door, that it's okay to talk about this. It's not, there's nothing wrong with me if I, if I talk about how I, I just am feeling burned out. I just don't want to come to work. I'm just not, not ready for this. These kind of things just tell, give permission, especially to the younger guys, that it's okay to, to cry. It's okay to say, gosh, that last call was horrible, and I'm having nightmares about it. So talk therapy is the greatest proponent on trying to solve some of the issues when it comes to burnout, whether it be within the fire station or with the clinical counselor or even at home. Right. right. It doesn't have to be. It could be a peer support team member. It could be anybody. It doesn't have to be a professional. I, I think you need to, to realize that it's okay to, to see a paraprofessional, but I'm most concerned that that person is culturally competent. You, you know, you don't go to a, a cardiologist to deal with your ACL tear. 
so it, it's important that the person I, I, I've, I've evaluated or talked to uh, some firefighters and they, they were going for a disability exam and, and the, the person that did the, the, the exam said, well, what's wrong with you? Can't you just get over it? They had no idea what bunker gear was. They had no idea what a Halligan bar was. And so it's, it's, it's important that that person know what a firefighter is like. And they don't have to be a firefighter, but peer support people are probably the closest you can get to that if they've got some good listening skills. Well, uh, we'll end this uh, episode with this little tidbit so that if any other fire department are listening, where I live and work, our clinical counselors have a designation now called trauma aware, and they have to spend two days in a fire hall of training, good. two full days. They listen to good. the tones, they can ride on the trucks, they can put on the gear, and they get a bronze seal. If they do two more days, they get a silver. And if they do two more days, they get a gold. That's six days of training. And they get to talk to firefighters, eat lunch with the firefighters. And they believe they are able to treat firefighters completely differently than they did before just because they've had that exposure. And, and that's, that is uh, probably a lower standard than we're going to set at the uh, Fire Service Psychology Association in setting up these standards uh, for cultural competency. Um, we're thinking 10 sets that, uh, that they would have to, you know, sleep overnight and spend the full shift uh, at that station so that they get about 10 of those sets under their belt. Because that, and, and you just, you just got to understand what the world looks like through the firefighter's eyes. You can't do that with just a, a video. That's awesome. Well, you know what? Thanks so much, Dr. Chuck. That ends this episode of 15 Minutes with Dr. Chuck. And tune in now every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific time and 6 p.m. Eastern time to hear the next episode of 15 Minutes with Dr. Chuck. Thanks so much for helping us bridge the gap between the fire service and mental health. I'm so grateful that you allow me to help. Thanks, Dr. Chuck. Take care. Bye now.